Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 121. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today I have my friend, Robbie Stahl. Before I do the introduction, I'd like to remind you about the website, jujitsutribe.org. For those who maybe might be listening for the first time, it's a nonprofit organization that I co-founded in 2010, and we support social projects that offer jujitsu free classes in low-income areas in the United States, in Brazil, a lot of them in Brazil. So if you'd like to know more about the program, jujitsutribe.org, and you can look us up at the uh, Instagram, jujitsutribe. So let me introduce Robbie here real quick. I got a nice introduction in front of me, and here we go. How old were you when you discovered your purpose in life? then how many years did it take you before you express your unique ability in that specific area? As you know, your unique ability is there within you, but you need to discover it and then keep enhancing it. For Robbie Stahl, that purpose in life was discovered at age 12 when he read his first exercise physiology textbook. Within just one year, he knew this would be his life's work. As a kid, he read everything he could get his hands on about kinesiology, optimal body functionality, bodybuilding, fitness, nutrition, and health. Today, he and his wife, Patricia, are the founders of The Fitness Doctor. He runs a company with doctorate and master's level professionals who transform their clients' bodies and lives through fitness training systems. All of their programs are based on each client's unique body issues, needs, and goals. Robbie is now an exercise physiologist, biomechanist, a world-class fitness expert, and a product of his own process. At age 41, he's in a condition that most 20-year-olds would envy. Rob is not only a fitness genius, he's also a jiu-jitsu practitioner. He's my, he has been my fitness expert for, the last, for my last series of tournaments leading up to my last competition at the Black Belt World in 2015. He has done some very interesting research in and developed protocols for physical performance and grappling. Robbie Stahl, my friend, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Gustavo, and it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. And I have to tell you, you know, I was thinking about before I came on this show, and I was like, you know, me being on your podcast is kind of feeling like uh, being on Yoda's podcast, right? Because <laughs> I got my start in jujitsu with you under your tutelage, and you are so far ahead of me in jujitsu that I very much feel like uh, you're, you're like you're like Yoda to me, man, and I and I mean that in the most positive, most respectful, most uplooking type of way. So thank you. It's a it's a I'm humbled and happy to be here. Awesome. And I want you to, especially if if you're at home watching or whatever you're watching, and if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the ultimateupodcast.com. I had the opportunity to give you an interview too, which is awesome. So tell us a little bit more about the podcast before we get into your story and everything. 
Sure, absolutely, yeah. So our podcast is um, myself, of course, and my co-host is an 80-year-old gentleman who is a Hall of Fame speaker. He's a semi-famous guy. He's pretty famous in the entrepreneurial world, and he is the fittest 80-year-old I've ever known in my life and most people have ever known in his life, and we call him the fittiest 80-year-old fittest in the world. And what's awesome is we take highly successful guests and we tie in both a fitness and messaging and marketing element so that we help people who want to both grow their business and improve their personal development and their mindset and their emotion and their physical and all areas of life. And that's really what our show is about. And my, many of our shows coming up are actually going to be with people who are a whole series of people with uh, eight and nine figure businesses who are elite experts in marketing. So the whole summer will be focused on that. That's awesome. And for people, for the hardcore listeners who have listened to 121 episodes, at some point you've heard me talking about Joel Weldon. He is my public speaking mentor. And I got connected to him through Robbie. So I'm, man, I'm so grateful that you saw that I needed help. And since then, I... I've mentioned many times, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll not be where I'm at professionally if I did not have his guidance. Uh, or maybe it would take me so long to maybe discover some of the things that he taught us. And, and as you mentioned, 80-year-old, I've never experienced anyone with that kind of energy in my life. I've never seen when he went to the, his uh, home boat and then just seeing him action June skiing at eight years old i'm like oh my god and non-stop no it, it, it was yeah. unbelievable i was just like for a few days and i just just amazed like his energy it's incredible yeah yeah he's incredible yeah yeah <laughs> for you listening to the show he we would he'd say hey robbie gustavo okay you guys we're gonna we're gonna go skiing okay we're gonna you guys want to go skiing yes and so this eight year old all right he's he's he first of all he ties off his hundred thousand pound houseboat himself to rocks and he's scaling mountains and tying with these large lines and he ties like eight lines and he's done this in rough waters as well in his houseboat then <clears throat> when we're out there and he has all these entrepreneurs on the boat he's like okay you guys want to go skiing he's the first one on the boat he loads everything on the boat right because he has a houseboat and the ski boat attached also all this stuff on Lake Powell. That's where he goes. So then, you know, typically none of us are in the boat at the same time. So then he started yelling for Gustavo, Robbie, let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, so, and at night he's telling stories and like the guy's just like, from the moment his eyes open, it's like he took an adrenaline shot until the time he goes to sleep and then he sleeps like a baby. So he, he, he is amazing. And really it's because of his mindset. It's not because he's a a physiologically gifted guy because he's had his issues he's had bilateral or two knee replacements he has torn rotator cuff he's had he's had stuff happen to him but it's his mindset so you know anyone who wants to follow joel's message uh, and learn how to speak better and get amazing a mental a mental state i highly recommend you you connect with joel and listen to our podcast really because of him <laughs> yes so now tell us, Robbie, how jujitsu show up in your life? I know you've got you know you've been active since you're young, but when did it come in, and what was the interest behind the jujitsu? So let's go. 
Awesome. So this is an interesting story. Um, so I'm going to be really open and honest with you guys. And it will be interesting because some people who might know me, especially from what I call kind of my past life, uh, you're going to get here. I'm going to share some really personal stuff right now. So um, I was uh, with a girl for 10 years. You know, I was a young guy. I thought the cool thing to do would be to marry a super beautiful girl and that I, this person would make me look better. And, you know, like I would kind of boost my ego, like, like young guys, right? I think ev pretty much every guy in their young 20s, you haven't had enough relationships. Yeah, I still, my wife now is absolutely gorgeous, but I didn't have the right mindset about how to choose a woman right my mindset was oh the prettier she is the better it's going to be for my relationship so this came with a lot of possessiveness a lot of jealousy a lot of this woman was extremely difficult to be in a relationship with and I, i'm really playing that down how difficult it was so um we we had 10-year relationship we were married for four years and long story short through all of her je jealousy comments uh, I never thought she would actually act on some of the things that she said. Well, last year of our marriage, she actually cheated on me with a, a guy who she, uh, who was a surgeon. She started working. Yeah, I was in 07. Yeah, I was in 07. Uh, yeah, 07, the market crash. Everybody remembers that. We had the Great Recession. So fitness, the fitness industry went way down. All my millionaire clients, they all like I lost a, a lot of clients. And so she went back to work or she went to work is what I really should say. So she went to work and then she worked for a plastic surgery clinic. She ended up cheating on me with a surgeon, right? And so, so, so I was so livid. I was so angry. I was so pissed off. I wanted to kill this guy, right? I wanted to, you know, and now, now, now it's really the greatest blessing. That's interesting how life works that way. But at the time, I absolutely wanted to kill this dude. And I was like, I, I'm, I'm going to go crazy, or I'm, I'm not a person who wants to become an alcoholic or a druggie, but my mindset was so messed up. A lot of stuff had failed. So I'm, I'm going to get into uh, mixed martial arts, grappling, jujitsu. So I started ACS, and at that time, uh, Gustavo was partnered with ACS, Arizona Combat Sports, and he ran the entire jiu-jitsu team and grappling program. So that's how I originally started jiu-jitsu under Gustavo, and I did it really for the mental health and to save me from doing something very, very stupid, right? And so, and thank God for that, and thank God that that relationship ended, I divorced that person, and I found the absolute girl of my dreams, so... So it's, there is a very happy uh, silver or golden lining in all of that. But it's that's funny. how Jiu-Jitsu came about. Yeah, it's interesting how once in a while I, I mention here in the podcast that um, past few years, every year I try to more and more not try to label things positive or negative. It's just events that happen, you know, because maybe something that you're going through right now in your life that it's, oh, this is negative. Maybe in a few years, you would be saying like, man, there was a blessing. Maybe right now you don't see it, but guaranteed if you look back in moments in your life, maybe five years ago, maybe it couldn't be that, not even that long ago, but something happened that was an undesired outcome per se that, that happened, that when happened, it was awful. But years later, it was like, wow, there, it sucked when it happened, but there was a blessing and this is just um, an example. Yeah. Now, with that experience, especially at the beginning, how do you feel jujitsu relates to life that really helped you 
with overcoming that personal issue? Well, you know, the thing is, is I had a lot of, I had, I had, a, I had a lot of anxiety and kind of uh, tension and kind of, I, I had a certain mindset that I thought that, you know, if, if I was a better jujitsu athlete or I was a better fitness uh, owner or more money or whatever, that I'm going to be a better person. And so, you know, the reality and the big, the big turnaround actually, and I would experience anxiety a lot on the mat in, initially. And so actually what happened was, is I trained jujitsu for five years and I took a five-year break from jujitsu. And now I've been back for a little over a year. And in that five years that I was off, I did a lot of psychological training and now my training in jujitsu is much better. So what I've learned that's both applied in jujitsu and in life is this, is that if your measurement of yourself is outside of yourself, then you'll never be enough. So if you measure your level of success by your money, by how good you are at jujitsu, by, by anything other than just your innate quality without doing anything, just your being, just that you are a source of love and excellence, regardless of what you do, and not in a very humble way. It's really, this is really it comes down to respect for self and love in an unconditional, respectful way for yourself. And what I found is when you do that, all of that anxiety you have in the mat, all the stuff where you get out of breath and the guy's kicking your butt and you're, you're in a bad position, when you're at that level of mindset, you're able to stay so much more calm. You're able to execute. You're able to think about the next move. You're able to, to function at such a higher level. And that's both extremely true on the mat as well as in the life. And so you know, and that that's really the big thing that I've learned in jujitsu. And the interesting thing is in life, things happen very slowly, right? There's, you want some deal to work out, or you want a relationship to work out or different. And things usually transpire over, you know, days, weeks, months, years, where on the mat, you know, you have all these things transpire in 60 seconds and 30 seconds, you can go from breathing fine and being just in 60 seconds later, you're getting choked and having to fight your way out of a bad position and your heart rate's at 180. And so really jujitsu is the ultimate test of where you're at mentally, because, you know, way you're developing your mindset gets tested very quickly. And then you can take that same mindset into life. And so I think that you really have to learn that just because you train jujitsu doesn't mean that you're going to develop that mindset. But if you develop that mindset, jujitsu is the most, in my opinion, the most amazing place to practice that mindset because of the level of test that you get. Incredible. Now, let's talk a little bit about the Fitness Doctor project that you have. Uh, as I mentioned, the intro have been involved with fit, fitness basically most part of your life. So I know that it's a, it's a big question because it involves a lot of things until you get to the point of the Fitness Doctor. But let's talk more about it. When did you get that spark to make that transition to the fitness doctor? <clears throat> well, you know, fitness, like you said in my intro, I first read first exercise science textbook at age of 12. And I trained my athlete friends in high school. And like girls would come to me and be like, hey, I want, can you make my butt and my legs look better? And so like I would write all of my high school friends programs. So it really started that young. Long story short, in my 20s, I trained physique athletes. So people who, who win trophies because they look super buff, basically. Okay. So that's a physique athlete. It's an athlete that 
not based on performance. It's only based on the way they look. So I trained those athletes in my 20s and I had tremendous uh, skill and knowledge and developed all these things. And it was interesting because I loved to see the best thing about that was transforming someone's body in such a dramatic way. But here's what I found out is that just like other messages I've already shared here, you know, when you, when you're, when you're, value of yourself is based on your looks is never a good thing. It's, it's just, it's a horrible thing. So I had like three different clients get divorced in preparation for shows. And, and also what happened is I figured out that the more fit people get, especially when they're doing things like bodybuilding, typically the more broken they get, the more dysfunctional their bodies get because our bodies are not designed to get developed just based on look and, or just develop based on performance athletes also get very injured because they're trying to force their body into some sport so what i end up doing and where fitness doctor came from is a little over a 10-year research project with other doctorate level um, sports medicine experts and physical therapists and such long story short we developed a way to analyze the human body from head to toe and figure out where mechanical deficiencies lie in other words how your back might be misaligned or your shoulder, different strengths of muscles and such. And we came up with a system to custom tailor each client's training plan so that it would realign their body and fix their body the same way as like a chiropractor and physical therapist would while they get fit. And that's really where the fitness doctor came from, the name came from and what, what we do at the fitness doctor. And it's really because of finding out what didn't work and kind of driving the typical like look in a in performance pathway. And now we're heavily, heavily focused on, on function. So that's, that's really where uh, the fitness doctor came from. Now we're also getting into very new uh, level and zones of things we're developing and creating many partnerships with other trainers. And we're taking the very best programming and selling that as well through, through our platform. Beautiful. Now let's talk about some of the struggles or the journey, or this specific chapter with Fitness Doctor, what's some of the biggest struggles? And yeah, what did you learn from them? I know you've been, as you mentioned, you've been involved, you've been an entrepreneur for a long time. So this is a different project. And you have, as I mentioned, an intro to your wife, Patty, she, she's awesome. You guys make an incredible team. So what are some of the the struggles with maybe something said like you thought it'd be like, oh, I thought it'd be this year to both maybe go easier or smoother. And then you figure out like, uh Oh yeah, that's not the way. So how was it? Some of the biggest struggles in what did you learn from it? Well, a couple of things. I mean, then I'll share a quick one about jujitsu related and then I'll go into business success, uh, financial type related. So first it, one big thing tying back to what I just shared was, don't be a bodybuilder on the mat, be a fighter in the gym, right? If, if you want to be a jujitsu athlete, if you want to be a grappling athlete, MMA, anything in martial arts, don't be a bodybuilder in the gym. Don't go to the gym to try to and focus on building your body in a way that's aesthetically appealing or trying to bench 400 pounds. Cause just cause you bench 400 pounds doesn't mean you're going to win jujitsu tournaments. So, and that also doesn't mean go to the gym and kick everyone's ass because you're, because you're being a fighter in the gym, right? That means that you're going and focusing on your, your conditioning. And we'll get into a little more of the conditioning in a minute, but in terms of uh, business struggles, 
one big thing is that I spent like literally three years of my life, not a three-year time period, three years of 40-hour weeks for three years. I did that within a five-year time period to develop the fitness doctor system. The system is amazing. It fixes people. I've developed a shoulder system so amazing. And I don't mean this to sound egotistical that I'm saying it's so amazing. It's let me share the results with you. And then I'm going to show you with you the big learning because I did this amazing stuff, but I learned a big thing in business in the process. So my wife, who is Brazilian, her uncle, who does not speak English, has had a major shoulder issue. He's gone to physical therapists in Brazil and PTs in Brazil and trainers also are actually quite good. They actually have a higher standard of education than even we do here in the US. And he wasn't getting fixed. He got on my program. I explained it, how to do the things through my wife translating. I sent him digital videos that were in English and his shoulder now about three to four months later is 90% better. And he was faced with only option as surgery, right? So that's the kind of result that speaks volumes of in, in every single guy that's come to me, we've been able to avoid shoulder surgery for them and get them much more functional. So those are the type of results we've had. Now, the problem is, is I created a system that's so service heavy laden. In other words, I have to spend hundreds of hours, hundreds and hundreds of hours to teach a trainer how to do our system. And I have to find a very unique individual to do it in the first place. And it's, it's very heavy service laden. So in terms of business, I spend so much time doing that, that it's a little difficult to market and grow my business heavily. So that became a huge uh, hurdle. It's a, it's a big uh, kind of step that we have to get through to try to create growth in the business. So what we're doing now is we're now we're able to package our products. So shoulder solution, for example, and just put them, put all of our shoulder solution in a video structure without a full evaluation and share it with a client and say, here, do all of these exercises. The ones that you struggle with the most and are the most difficult are the areas where you're weak. So spend more time. So kind of dumbing down the service, if you will, a little bit, making it even easier for the clients to implement themselves in themselves. And now also what we're doing is we're pulling the best trainers from around the world into programs and we're focusing on test marketing. So we'll go test marketing all these different programs and the ones that sell the best will co-op with those trainers and then promote those programs. So, you know, the thing I learned in business and telling kind of saying what I just said is a big service in business can become a bad thing, even if you're the best at it, because it becomes a major hurdle and other businesses are faced with that same thing. So you have to find that right mix of marketing and service. So now uh, you mentioned a little bit about when maybe someone goes to the gym, someone that is a trains jujitsu they want to go to the gym and now they're like trying to lift to get big and anyway know how it goes now my question is uh, what are some of the besides that some of the misconceptions that you see about training that athletes make some of the mistakes that athletes make or whatever you want whatever approach you want to use could be or damaging their bodies 
or maybe thinking they they will have some type of results. So what are some of the misconceptions you see? I mean, you know, one big misconception is people get into like jujitsu and I'm preaching to the choir sharing this with you, but people come into jujitsu and they try to be like um, more violent, more aggressive, more strong. And then they're going to the gym to become stronger. And the reality is, is jujitsu is called the gentle art for a reason. And so one big mistake I see jujitsu athletes make specifically is like, look, there's, there's, there's three different, the way I see it is there's three different major physical performance things that help you to be a great jujitsu athlete. One of those things is mobility. Can you move? Can you, can you move freely? Can you stretch your body and get into positions easily? So that's one thing. The other thing is endurance, your level of endurance and stamina to execute with force and like keep on going and also to stay poised mentally as well. So, so one was mobility. Two is endurance. Three is just strength, like your level of actual force and application, whether it's quick motion or just strong, steady motion. And so what happens is if you're already strong, so like for me, right, I spent years and years bodybuilding and then I went to jujitsu and I tried to use my strength. It sucked. In like 30 seconds to one minute, I was like 205 when I started at 6% body fat. And I'd be wrestling some guy that weighs like 150 pounds. And within 60 seconds, it, it would absolutely whoop my ass. And, and I would be out of breath. And this 205 guy now has the strength of like a 120 pound guy because I'm so fatigued. And so the big misconception is this, is most people when they look at MMA fighters and jujitsu fighters, a lot of times, not always, because it depends on the athlete's background, but think about this. Most fights, when people watch them, they see a buffer guy and maybe a slightly kind of skinny, a little bit of like extra fat on him. They always assume that that buff guy is going to win. Well, depending on skill, of course, oftentimes that buff guy does not win, probably more often than not. And the reason why is because muscle costs a lot of energy muscle costs a lot of energy so when you develop your body in heavy strength training and shorter sets in the gym what ends up which makes your body more developed and more muscular well that costs a lot what happens is once you get on the mat and you start using that muscle that muscle fatigues and the thing that has to recover it is your aerobic fitness system and so it's the the system that would enable you to go for a longer period of time that system can't keep up with the level of muscle and strength you've built. So you, you fatigue out and you get tired and you, you lose motor control, you lose um, technical execution. It's like watching any fight in the later rounds, they become very sloppy and that's why. It's because the aerobic energy system can't keep up with that. So what is the solution? And the solution is really specific depending on you as a jujitsu athlete. If you're very mobile and you have a lot of endurance, then you can kind of forget about what I just said because you should probably focus on getting stronger because maybe you're already a swimmer when you're younger and you ran um, track, you ran long distance running and you're super mobile. Okay, well, this guy, he needs to go and do some strength training. But then you take a guy like me, did all this heavy weight training, benched 435 pounds and all these things. I need to do a lot of endurance training, focus on my mobility, focus on a more healthful, aligned body, this type of thing. And so whichever one you're lacking in jujitsu, I feel you really, that's the one you should focus on. So by focusing on your weakness in this area, you're going to be a lot better jujitsu athlete. 
Now let's talk about nutrition. One of the things we mentioned to on the intro, you helped me with my preparation in 2014, 15 for some of the tournaments that I was 40 and I was getting ready to compete at the adult, which is definitely being in being a lighter guy is, is definitely uh, as you're maybe the, the youngsters don't know yet, but as you start getting older, recovery is not the same, you know, it's the, the whole, the whole thing. So getting a little tougher, but I felt that I was in one of the best shape of my life. And I feel that one of the things that really helped me was the diet. Um, after that, I did a bunch of tournaments too. And definitely when you start getting older, you do a lot of tournaments back to back with previous injuries. That's a challenge. So that's one of my learning uh, experience that I had with that, I end up doing too many tournaments in a short amount of time. And then being older is definitely a, a challenge. But let's talk more about the nutrition and possibly misconceptions about nutrition too. Because one of the things I always mention to students, they're getting ready for tournament or, or we're not. And I say, man, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not going to tell him what to eat or not. But sometimes people go to the day of the tournament. I heard that if you eat this, it gives you energy. You know, the only thing I say, like, man, don't ever try anything new. You know what I mean? The day of the tournament, the day before, don't, don't get into that. So what would you like to share about nutrition for, for people? Let's say they're not like pro athletes, but they like to go to tournaments, you know? So what kind of advice or maybe suggestions can you, can you tell our listeners? Sure. Is it, so the best thing for you to think first is kind of along the lines of what you just said, Gustavo, which is don't try anything new. Why? Because that might not work for you as an individual. You know, if your name is Tom, well, Jerry, it might've worked for Jerry, but it's not going to work for you, Tom. Right. So, you know, you have to, you have to think like, who are you as an individual? And then let me go deeper. Let's, let's look into it. So, if you're a guy who's cutting weight and you're wanting to get into a specific weight class and you have to cut while you're asking your body to perform, then there's a lot of little tricks that I use and I use for your training plan, Gustavo. And one of the big things is this, is you only need fuel. You really need your fuel before your training and to recover after your training. And when I say fuel, let's just say protein is like building blocks. So the protein primarily coming from lean meats it, and, and you could use a protein powder as well. And so I would recommend by the way, beef or whey protein, those are both incredible or egg, all incredible powdered sources of protein. So protein is gonna be the building blocks. Now your carbs and your fats are gonna be your fuel. So you only really need that fuel before your intense training and after your intense training. So if you're putting too much fuel, fats and carbs in the wrong part of your day that don't have anything to do with your training, then you're going to, uh, you're not going to be having it when you need it basically. So, and then how are you going to make up for that still cut weight? So you can have a very restricted diet and be eating things like only lean meat and vegetables most of the day. But before you go to train, about three hours before, you're going to take in more carbs. So at Gustavo's weight, he was getting, you were doing one, 144 division. Is it? No, it was, well, featherweight. So I basically, I needed to wake up the day of with 150. 150. So okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a few years. Okay. So one, 150. <clears throat> so yeah. As, so at 150, at your weight, 
you need like about 50 to 75 grams of carbs before your major grappling training. And so then afterward, you need about another 50 carbs. So I'd put almost all your carbs right before and after your training, because you're going to, without giving you the full science after your, before your training, it's obvious you're going to use the full fuel while you're training. After your training, it gets technical. And on this show, I'm just going to keep it simple. So after your, what happens is this carbohydrates get into your muscle cells much easier and faster and in a way that allows you to lose fat if you take them after you've done intense training. So the best time when you're cutting, you got to have carbs before and after the training. Um, I, when I competed, I did the opposite because again, I'm, I rarely, actually, I can't even really think of a time. Never have I really ever felt on the map that someone was stronger than me. That was anywhere near my weight, right? That was within 10 pounds of me. I never felt, now that's not to say I beat everyone on the map because that's absolutely not true, right? But, and not to say that I didn't feel like people lighter than me were actually stronger than me. But sometimes when we got into position, position, I never really felt like anyone was stronger than me. So strength wasn't an issue, but the endurance occasionally would be, right? And sometimes the mobility a little bit, but the endurance would be an issue. So what I didn't want to do, I'm not going to try to cut weight. No, I'm going to go, I'm going to just go into whatever the next class up is. So for me, I would actually load creatine. I would carbohydrate load before a tournament. And I would even load salt so I didn't get muscle cramping from all the sweating. So I would use a, a reverse diet of what everyone else is doing, coming completely fueled up have no concern about weighing, weigh, uh, weighing in. I'd have my phone, my phone on me, my full shoes, a hat, and I'd be like seven pounds under the weight top of the uh, top of the bracket. And because that wasn't an issue. So it really depends on, you know, who you are and what division you're going into and where you're at. Some of the, some of the huge things that I see people make a large mistake with in cutting for jujitsu tournaments is they wait to like a week out, two weeks out. Man, you you know you're gonna compete like you know right now when we're recording this podcast it's the end of April, you know you have a big tournament coming up in June. Why are you gonna wait till the end of May to start cutting? That that's no cut little by little, preserve your muscle and don't crash. If you impact your body with trying to do like a fast cutting of weight, that's the that's the most unintelligent thing you could do as a jujitsu athlete. You need to try to cut that weight slowly and intelligently so you can conserve your muscle so that's um those are some big things that i would share with everyone common conversation it goes along with a topic that you mentioned a common conversation that i have with some students independent we're talking to independent the level of is someone that is kind of like a pro athlete that's all you do but sometimes it happens very often you get a, a student who it's maybe in the middle of the division in between whatever doesn't matter what division feather and light or whatever and they go and they're a master competitor already and they tell me i'm going to cut weight for this tournament and this and that i never competed and say man i'm going to give you my opinion you you're a big boy do whatever you want but my suggestion is this is the first tournament go with the weight that you're at okay maybe if you start cleaning your diet and naturally your weight start coming down one thing that people don't take in consideration when they don't know on like Maybe you don't know right now, but when you start reducing your calories and you're tired, you start getting pretty cranky. 
And then you get home, you don't have the same patience with your wife or with your kids. People don't take this in consideration at all, how you get moody at work and all that stuff. I'm like, man, it's, it's too much. If you want to cut, I'm, I'm never a big fan of like drastic, huge cuts, but especially someone that is, it doesn't matter, you, you're a weakened competitor or, or, or white belt or just getting involved. There's no reason to be like, okay, I'm cutting all the way down. Say like, I'll tell you this, go where you, the way you at. If you go there and you really feel that, man, they were so much stronger. And then we can talk about maybe looking for help and someone help you to start like, hey, is it possible to go to a, a uh, maybe a lower division? So usually that's what I recommend. Go where you at, see how you feel. And sometimes I get people, I have people you know, sometimes they already higher belts and you know, like how much you weigh? And I was like, dude, you're pretty much the other weight class. You're going to get rid of a full, like a division and you got to go to work and you got to give attention to your family. It's just not a good math, you know? So I think people forget about uh, some of the, the issues that come with the weight cut, you know, in, in your life, not just yeah. being wicked, but how this is going to reflect in your professional life, how it's going to reflect with your, with your family. So this is a, a suggestion that I try to give to people. And I, for example, when I have two months away and they, they're not sure because in the middle, I'll say like, you know what, just clean up your diet. And one thing that I'm, that I'm sharing with you and with the, the listeners, I'm a big fan of professional help. If you don't know about something, you know, just hire someone. Oh, I don't want to spend the money. Okay, so do your own thing, but don't complain. <laughs> you know, this is about asking for help the same way that with we talking about Joel in the, in the beginning of the interview. I didn't know anything at all about public speaking. Before you mentioned to me, I have Google public speaking for the first time the week before. And I was like, what is public speaking about? I never even Googled that thing before. You know, I, I never really stopped to put thought into it. So I need a professional help the same way I did with you to help. Well, I've been doing this for a long time. You know, I kind of know how my body works, but I'm not a specialist in nutrition. Maybe I think, you know, sometimes people think because they're doing something long enough that they're like, yeah, well, it's not always the case. You know, so I feel that, that this is something that people need to take in consideration to slowly kind of just clean up the diet that means, you know, or sugar or whatever. And like, okay, with that, where are you at? And then you look for, so what are some of the suggestions you give to someone that is like that in the middle of the division and they're thinking about cutting weight, but they're like, they're not, they're no professionals or anything like that. Any suggestions? I think your suggestion is perfect. I can't really do better than that. I have some things to add to, to this tournament prep. But it's beautiful because, look, if you don't know, if you're at the level of athlete that you don't know where you're going to be at in terms of tournament, you don't know what it's going to feel like against the weight people and your weight, you, then you have to test, right? It's a test. Just it, anything in life, business, jujitsu, anything, relationship, you have to go in and take action. It's like a test and then, and then see what works, see what didn't work. And then change your strategy and then come back to, to improve or maybe even win, right? So how do you get better than, hey, first you need to test and see where you're at. You have no idea. So, I mean, other than the people in training 
in practice and practice is a little different than tournament. So, you know, it, it really depends. Like if, if, if they feel like, no, I'm strong, like everyone I train with in, in around my weight and practice, I, I don't feel that they're uh, any stronger than me whatsoever, then, then stay, uh, stay in that, in that weight category. But if you're like, man, I really, I do better against a little bit lighter people then cut, then cut weight and, and go in that division you know so um some of the things that are really interesting that we use um little tricks of the trade here are when you're a jujitsu athlete you you have to do a couple things which are interesting really if you're going to be a great athlete you not you need to have some level of strength and conditioning plan and going on along with your jujitsu so if you're now here's the thing in jiu-jitsu you're a skill athlete you're, you're a skill acquisition athlete in other words you acquire skills and you must practice that skill you can spend all day long in the gym and you're never going to win a jiu-jitsu tournament you must improve your skills in jiu-jitsu and that's the primary point where you need to be so one big thing is you need to make sure that your strength and conditioning plan does not get in the way of your jiu-jitsu training so one big thing we we did gustavo in your plan is I made sure that your training did not get in the way of your plan. So I'd figure out each day how you're feeling, what's going on, where you at that week. And then I would adapt your training accordingly because the strength and conditioning plan cannot get in the way of your grappling training. The grappling training must take precedence because your goal is to perform in that, not to perform in the gym. So that's one huge thing that can make a omg level of transformation for jiu-jitsu athletes um the other thing well and this could be i think this kind of a misconception too because i've heard many people say like no i like to do my condition before so i already go in tired you know so i can uh, you know make sure that I'm like i'm you know i go in and yeah. you know i would be able to go fresh in a tournament but well, yeah. man and then that's kind of tough to perform you know but some people like to do it before and yeah, that's tough. You got a crazy session of legs and like, okay, I'm going straight to jujitsu. Like, okay. Yeah, I, I can see, I can see, I, yeah, I can see this working. And there's a couple different ways to look at that. One way is this. So first of all, let's make sure that the most important thing with that is this. Are you training, is, are you training so intensely that you're never fully recovering and you going the tournament, not at a hundred percent. And the likelihood is a very strong yes. There's going to be a few people with amazing genetics and amazing diet and amazing sleep and amazing everything on point that can come in like that. But this is like really one of the big things that happen to fighters in all martial arts is they come in overtrained. They overtrained for the tournament. They go to the fight. They go to the, the tournament. And what happens is, is they're they all the uh, adrenaline comes to them and they're completely have an adrenaline dump and they're they're done they overtrain for the tournament and their nerves get to them and their bodies tax from all this training and and they're done and meanwhile their twin brother or sister didn't do that they did just the right amount of strength and they focused on jujitsu and they win the jujitsu because they weren't focused on strength and conditioning uh, yeah i i think you know, I can't see though this doing the strength and conditioning first because then you're tired, especially for someone like me that you rely on strength too much. You have to, you have to 
try to rely and focus on the technique and it can get you to to bring it down a notch because you just don't have it in you to keep pushing through like multiple workouts like that but i think you have to be very careful because i think it's much easier to overtrain having a plan like this is much much easier um a couple big things one or two big things is supplement wise that can really help um, one is knack and so knack is a supplement just you can find it online amazon or whatever uh, but uh knack what it can do is help decrease the amount of damage that aerobic training does to your body so when you do aerobic exercise in jujitsu or any any level can it doesn't matter where and how you're doing it but when you use your body in an aerobic way so for longer than two minutes at a time you can get some damage from the aerobic training and long story short um, we're trying to make this not too technical, but you, the oxygen that your body burns and is using, it changes the form to become destructive and break down your tissues. This is a good thing, but done in excess, excess, this can cause overtraining in your body. So when you're doing all the strength and conditioning and jujitsu training, NAC will help cut down on the amount of damage that that, that oxygen, which is uh, called a free radical, it won't do as much damage to your body. The other thing is taking ubiquinol, especially if you're an athlete over the age of 35, ubiquinol uh, is uh, a supplement that will help restore more energy to your aerobic energy system. So you'll have more energy to go through aerobic training. You'll have more energy for jujitsu, and then the NAC will help cut down on the amount of damage that your body does. And those uh, two natural supplements, uh, we also both use for your for your tournaments, Gustavo. So I'd highly recommend those as well. And the last uh, thing about uh, losing weight and stuff like, especially for people who are listening and maybe doesn't have a lot of experience with competing or cutting weight. I always mention, especially if the weigh-ins are on the day of, which is a standard IBJJF, I always mention making the weight is not the problem. The problem is to make weight and perform after. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> make exactly. the weight, yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll make 145 and just leave the stretch right next to the to the mat. I'll be like, okay, I made it. Now put in stretch because I have about 30 seconds in the guessing. So it's one of those things that, yeah, I mean, you, you may have a Ferrari, but there's no gas in a bad boy. You ain't driving it. So knowing how to uh, to understand that, that it's not just making weight. And people don't, I think they really underestimate the adrenaline dump that you have, the amount of energy you're grabbing harder than usually you do at the academy and, and all that stuff and one of the worst if you're listening right now you have some decent experience competing and you have cut weight before and you have some bad cuts before i guarantee you there is a day that you're like huh my legs are kind of not responding and they're kind of <laughs> jelly that's not good when you're playing guard that you know that and i trained i trained very well yeah, it doesn't matter how well you train. If you got no, it's got in. I don't know how some of the, I know the wrestling, is, it's, you know, it's pretty, they do some hardcore. I don't know how much time they have in between, but sometimes I hear some, some crazy cuts and how you can perform not too long after it. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. But, you know, if you're able to manage that, that's, that's my, one of my biggest concerns when I go to compete. I focus a lot on my mental, but I get very, let's say, paranoid about my nutrition. 
because I want to make sure the day of I ain't running, I ain't doing no sauna or anything like that. I want to wake up, I visualize even I wake up and I'm looking down on my little scale and I'm hitting exactly what I need to hit. And I think about this every day. One thing that I do too, I, uh, I like to call like a tournament simulation. If I'm going to compete on Saturday, I like to the day before to basically be exact a Friday to be exactly like how, how Saturday is going to be. That means I'm going to wake up the same because if it's an organized tournament, you know the schedule. If an IGJF, you know exactly. So I know exactly what time I'm going, going to wake up. I'm going to have a breakfast, how long I have in between. I know how much my breakfast weight. I know how much, how long I have until I go to the bathroom to lose a little bit of that or that weight. So I try to do every, it's, it sucks. It's an extra day, but I feel so much better. I haven't ran or whatever or in, in many years, or I'm not even remember the last time I, I had to run just because the, I get very paranoid and get very disciplined the week of, because it just scares me. The idea of I'm playing my garden and my legs are gone. I, it's like a nightmare, you know what I mean? Or it grabs, and you just here and there. And then you see like, I'm so much better than this person. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? If you don't have the field to back it up, you know? So what do you think about this idea of doing like a simulation day before? It's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Eh? And I would say, you know, I mean, really, if you're really, if you're really an OCD person, you can do that for a few days before, and then maybe really rest rest the day before and kind of just let all your nerves go and just the most tranquil relaxed thing you can possibly do i know for me personally the best i ever am in grappling is when i've trained really intensely for a long time for months on end i've i've studied a lot i've really committed and then i take like two weeks off and i go on vacation man when I come back the first like couple training sessions back, I'm like, you know, I feel like Gordon Ryan, you know, the first couple, <laughs> but then that week goes on and the fatigue starts building up and I'm kind of back to where I was before. But, you know, and what does that say? It's like that break is so huge. So two things. Yes. Keeping in the same pattern, exposing your body to exactly what it's going to do. We have something called a circadian rhythm, which is used to when you're going to have energy output, uh, when you wake up, the balance of all these things, when you consume food. And so the more you can mimic the competition day for a sustained period of time, when you do your jujitsu practice and all these things, the better, the better you're going to be. I mean, you know, the best MMA fighters in the world also do that, that they're going to have a fight at like midnight because of time zones. They'll train so that they actually are ready to do that fight at, at, at midnight. They're not going to train at you know, 10 a.m. and then expect their body to perform at midnight. So there's a lot to be said about circadian rhythm and patterning exactly what you're going to do in your competition. Now, let's change the gear real quick here. So what do you say it's one habit that you practice every day that helps you in everything in your life? Business, jujitsu, whatever. It could be anything, anything that is a habit. Because sometimes people say sleep, yes, being very aware of your sleep, how many hours, that's, that's a habit. So what did you say? Can I give two? What's that? Can sure, I give yeah, two? yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> so, so my first one is, is I, I try to model those around me who are much better than me or are strong at something I'm weak at. 
So the one health thing, the one health action that I'm probably the weakest at is getting enough sleep and going to bed at the right time. My wife is amazing at that. My dog is also amazing at that. She goes, <laughs> a little funny side note, then we'll get back on the actual valuable content. But yeah, our dog, like it's 9, 9 p.m. Our dog gets up out of the family room and goes and she sleeps in my wife's walk-in closet and she doesn't want to be talked to. She doesn't. So then my wife also 9.30 p.m. comes around and she turns into a pumpkin and that's it. So as difficult as it is when she gets to 9.30, I'm like, oh man, you know, for a person who likes to stay up late, you know, all the amazing stuff happens after 9.30, 10 p.m., right? We just feel like something's going to happen cooler than before. I don't know what it's going to be, but you just get that feeling. What I try to do is model her, go to sleep when she follow her behavior. So if you have people around you who are really good at something, right? If you're training with Gustavo Dantes, watch how he rolls, watch how he trains, try to emulate his technique, right? You're not going to follow someone else who isn't as good as on the mat. And the same thing applies for bedtime, for eating, for working out, for everything. So take people who are amazing and try to emulate their behavior, ask them questions and do what they're doing. Even if it doesn't quite click with you right away, it can become a habit and it can become part of your behavior. And I talked so much about that one, I forgot the second one. Let me think here. So, um, oh, second one. Second big thing. When I wake up in the morning, first thing I do is I read on a subject that I'm very intent on improving in my life at the moment. So right now, a big area we're focused on is marketing. So I have a, a copywriting marketing mentor and he has a whole course for me and every morning i wake up the first thing i do is i read my copywriting study course books and that enables me to have that right mindset for what i need to achieve in business each day awesome now what it's one of the most valuable let's say one of the best piece of advice you've ever received and it doesn't matter which area if in sports or in athletics or not, it, entrepreneurship, what's something that comes to your mind? I'm going to have to say two big things. I, I've spent a lot of money on, on psychological training and mental conditioning. And probably one of the couple of the two biggest pivotal things that came out of that were one, which I've already shared, which was if the measurement, if the way you measure yourself is outside of yourself, you're never going to be enough. You need to look inside. And the other thing that gets kind of measured and, and modeled with that is something called the ARF method. And that is achievement, respect, fun, and freedom. Achievement, respect, fun, and freedom. And what you do is you rate on a one to 10. So right now, as you're listening to this podcast, ask yourself, how do I feel about my life at this moment for achievement? How do I feel like I'm achieving? One to 10. How do I feel about the respect for myself? What is respect for myself? Specifically, this means unconditional love, that you have unconditional love for yourself. In other words, depending on how you perform at the tournament on Saturday or how much you lifted at the gym or how much money you're making or whether you made that deal or you didn't, whatever it might be, you still love yourself the same amount. And that's in a humble, caring, respectful type of way. So that's the R. One to 10, what's your score there? Fun, how much fun do you feel like you're having right now in your life? One to 10, 
And then freedom, one to 10. How free do you feel to do the things you want to do when you want to do them? And if you go through and you score yourself, you'll know where you're lacking and you'll know why you might not feel the way you should be feeling. And when you improve that, if you don't have the, it might just be unconditional love. You're achieving well, you're having some fun, you have freedom, but you just don't have that unconditional love for yourself. Well, if you focus on that, read some books on that, you're going to improve and your overall will feel much more amazing. And that, that ARF, A-R-F-F, -F, has worked tremendously well for me. I love it. Really cool. Now, let me see here. What about a piece of advice you to give to not that much younger Robbie, but when you started a fitness doctor, something that, you know, in this journey that you've been focused on a fitness doctor, if you could give a piece of advice to Robbie, what would you tell him? Put all your money in Bitcoin and 2008 and <laughs> <In> 2008 <laughs> yeah, yeah that's 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 probably my one is uh, <laughs> hey man save all your money and in 2008 find a financial because it'd probably be hard to get in bitcoin at that time actually you have to probably know someone <laughs> and put all your money there and just wait <laughs> yeah that would make all the difference buy it when it's 12 cents and sell it when it's like 50 60 thousand <laughs> but now what about besides that, which is a nice one, <laughs> but like something that, that could help you with a bit, or of course this would help you with a bit, with your business <laughs> immensely, but maybe from, you know, some of yours, sure. you know, some of the learning curves that you had, and then you figured out from, could it be from marketing point of view, or could it be from whatever, anything that would be like, yo, pay attention in, in this year. What do you think that would, would help you a little bit in the journey? I th the, there's one thing. So let me again share two, but there's really one foundational primary element to all of this. And, and that is, is to realize that you need to, you need to set an intention, right? So like whether you're in business or whether you're going to, every time you go to jujitsu practice, you should have an intention. Today, my intention is to learn and have a good time. Right. You'd probably never go to jujitsu practice today. My intention is to feel the best because I felt I beat everyone on the mat or something like this. Right. That's not going to be this. Now you're measuring outside of yourself. That's not a good intent. So set good intentions for whatever you want to do. The thing is that a big thing I've learned about life is this. You're going to have ups and you're going to have downs. You will have ups and you will have downs. But you need to realize that those ups and those downs are part of life and you, you must kind of go down and you must have challenges, you must have hurdles to also be to be able to go back up. It's just like an investment. It's just like the stock market. And the more you stay mindful, the more you stay present, the more you stay intent on what you really want, the more you keep that unconditional love for yourself the better you're gonna do and the less that things happen in life are gonna shake you. So that's the big thing. There's gonna be ups and there's gonna be downs and that's a good thing. And it's all part of that equation. It's all part of the life equation. So the more you can stay mindful, the more you can stay present, the better you're gonna get through everything. And the more you're gonna be feel like a rock and you're gonna feel positive and much happier. 
if you just know that there's going to be ebbs and flows in life and you're going to stay you're going to stay steady you're going to stay neutral and you're going to be what i call connected to like source which is like the universe and positive energy and connected with others you know this is what can keep you the best regardless of what's happening in life i agree the intention that's something that the past few years i've been putting more focus and it's not something that most people, or I didn't think about it before, but as you know, the, my journey, my personal development journey to and discover how, how important is to have intentions in basically everything you do. Right? Now, what is a one book that has made a big impact on you in different moments of your life? I know that could be a business book, could be whatever, but when you think about a book, say, man, that book really stood out to me for whatever reason. What is the book that comes to your mind? Gustavo, I started training or training personal development on myself, right? Le going to uh, Highway University and listening to constant audio programs. And I was younger and dating girls. I would date like, you don't listen to the radio. You don't listen to any music. No, I only listen to the personal development. So I have like 20 years of that. So with 20 years of that, there's one book that I think is the best out of all the rest. And that is The Power of Now, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. I don't think, I think that that message and what he has to share there is more powerful than any one resource of personal development I've ever gone through. Yeah, it is a great book. I had the opportunity to read too. And I have another one that is, I think is, the, um, what Newer. is it called? Newer. Newer. New Earth, yes, which is an awesome book too. I love, I love both of them, but this uh, New Earth, it's really cool. If you haven't had a chance to do it, and I did something that was really cool a couple, a few years ago. Oprah had Eckhart Tolle on her show, and they broke down in twelve. I think it was twelve or thirteen episodes every Monday. She'd do like like an hour episode, and then she would sit with him, and he would talk about each chapter. So, so as soon as I finish, because usually one thing that I like to do, I finish a book and then after I finish, I go on YouTube and I type the book uh, and then I just start like, I want to just listen what people have to say, their reviews. I like to get interview with the author because usually it helps me to like tighten up, get some concepts and maybe like it slipped or whatever. So I like to, so that's kind of how I found out about it. And I loved it. And actually I, I went through twice. I mean, we're talking like maybe 12, 13 hours of content and I was able to do it. And it was really cool because you get like a deeper understanding. She did a great job. Like, Hey, what exactly did you mean with this phrase here? And then he'll tell his point of view, how he wrote. So it, it was awesome. So I think both, both are incredible. So it's a great, great suggestion. Now we're getting close to the end of the interview. So what do you have exciting going on? So go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, and before we get to that, Gasad, there's one question I think that's really pivotal. I want to ask you because you have a how many years of experience? You know, you have what, 30 years of jujitsu experience, correct? Yeah, 1989. Yeah. Yeah. So and you've been a coach, you've coached thousands of people. What is the one or two things that makes the biggest difference in the performance of a jiu-jitsu athlete? What are the one or two top things? I feel that the guys are really able 
to it would be like, yeah, that's a given, but no, like really transfer what they do at the academy in competition, which is not an easy thing uh, to do, to be like, be able to perform the way you do at the academy. I had the opportunity to work with many athletes, high level, world-class competitors, MMA world champions, and the best guys you're able to do exactly what they do at the academy. Maybe it would make sense for some people, but I feel that if you have competed, if you have competed before and have some experience, maybe you have a date that you remember like, that was not me there. I know, I don't know what happened. Maybe because sometimes you're kind of afraid of making a mistake. So you now you don't risk this here and hold back and this and that. And it's just incredible. Some of the guys, the, the best of the world, they're just consistent how often they can just be free and just do what they do there without too concerned about maybe the results. It doesn't mean they're, they're unbeatable, but it's incredible when, when able to see people who can really be their, their, their best, literally their best selves on a mat and go in. And sometimes your best self is enough to win. Sometimes it's not, but they, they leave with a, the mind clear that it was me there. Someone did better. That was it, but not because they, um, held back. I, I, I know some people that they, they're incredible training, but they, they compete, they even step it up. So one of the best competitors, performers, let's say that, that I know one of my best friends, Hobson Mora, for people who don't know, he's a five-time black belt world champion and talk about performing the performance that I've seen this guy doing is just like, turn it up. He, I've, it's just how free he is on a mat, you know, definitely made it a big difference. I've, I've been with him in, in matches before that I'm talking, it was like super fights and he's about to get in just a few minutes uh, before literally he's just in a warm up mat about to, to get in. And he goes like, let me see this here real quick. And then he practices pulling, going straight to something. And then he goes, let me go again. And then he walks in. He does exactly <laughs> what he was thinking about it. For me, it was just kind of like, wow. you know, uh, like the ability he has to just like, I'm just going to do jujitsu. You know what I mean? He's not thinking about it's going to work, not going to work. So I, I feel that this ability of being your best self there without focus too much on the outcome, if it's going to work or not, and risk, take some of the, the risk. And here's the thing. Sometimes some of the people who take the risk, sometimes you can pay the price, but that's what makes them different. It's like Anderson Silva, right? While he was putting his hands down and doing all that stuff he does and, and he was dropping people, oh my God, he's the greatest. Ever. And then he got caught by uh, Chris Eidemann. See, he keeps doing the stuff. That's what he got. I'm like, okay, so works his whole freaking career for many, many, many years. The guy got caught once. See, that's what, so the different, they do different. I think that's, you know, they, they don't follow something. They just go there, they improvise. They are ready, but they're able to just be themselves and really transfer. And I think for people who can do that with consistency, you see like uh, Michael Jordan. Did he have like perfect days every day? No, but his consistency of like performing were pretty high and it comes down to mental. It really comes down to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're able to be themselves. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so tell us what you got going on. Exciting. So we got the podcast. We already talked yeah. about it. Having some exciting guests 
and tell us a little bit more anything that you want to plug with fitness the fitness doctor whatever you want to share yeah right now we're we're currently building a platform a site which will have over 500 different fitness products supplements and also customized programs so what we're doing with our customized programs is we are we're going to have a whole plethora of stuff like everything you can imagine but everything is customized so the unique thing that we do that is kind of hard to find in online is we custom tailor each program to the client so you know there's there's a million different fitness apps right now you can go on and buy whatever uh, fitness programs and get all kinds of different training and you know peloton has theirs and there's so many different people have, have these but what's hard to find and what the best athletes in the world do and what you did when you wanted to compete well in high performance and high level tournaments is you got a customized plan so what we do is we bring the person for specific for like for right now we're launching a speed agility and quickness training plan for um, athletes of all types really but they fill out our questionnaire and we customize our exercise scientist actually customizes their training plan to them so we're going to have these training plans for every type of fitness goal you could possibly imagine and all of these programs will be on our site and you can get these custom plans at actually a really reasonable price excuse me uh, and so yeah you I mean you get a customized plan that's unique to you you get a world-class fitness scientist designing your plan at a fraction of the cost that it would cost to work with someone like that in person so that that's one of the biggest most exciting things for your listeners beautiful robbie thank you so much for all the tips and i feel that one of the i think a good takeaway for you the listener is don't don't be afraid to ask for help professional help in something and i'm not talking about just fitness marketing uh entrepreneurship whatever don't if you don't know something go study go after go after the knowledge and if you still need to improve on something make sure that you know be humble enough to ask for for the help and sometimes you've been studying something for a long time and you feel that you already got it, but there's always someone that can help you, can take it to an even higher level. So I want to thank you, Robbie, for all the friendship, all these years, for the help that you gave me with my preparation and introduced me to Joel, which is a, it's a hidden treasure here that you know I didn't know and a lot of people don't know about, especially if you want in here in Arizona. Um, of course, even if you're not in Arizona, but you want to contact uh, Joel and learn more about public speaking he is in the hall of fame of public speaking there's man there's so much so much knowledge to share so if you want to anyone that wants more information you know um, take a look at joe weldon and what is his uh his website and what i think one is success comes in cans right the there's ultimate, i think ultimate speaker oh, system exactly the ultimate speaking system there we go cool and, and our site if you want to put mm -hmm. them, they can find us for these customized fitness programs is the fitness doctor.com the fitness doctor all spelled out.com awesome robbie thank you so much and everyone i'll see you soon Os. Os.
We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.